0: Good morning, good afternoon, I guess I should say, um, to those of you who are joining us today. Um, I am Constitutional Attorney Catherine Henry, and I wanna welcome you to this episode of Restore Freedom Weekly. Uh, Looks like we're having some serious computer lag. Turn crap off, you gotta turn something off. I am working on that. Okay. We're, We're trying to turn stuff off to see if it helps because I am having some serious computer lag going on here Um, but in the meantime, hello to Harry and Avery on uh, YouTube and Roger on Facebook. Um, bear with us here as we, um, continue to shut some stuff down so we can have uh, a little bit less lag on the, um, um, system here to see if that helps our internet connection any, um. I'm not even sure if you guys were able to hear the cute little Pledge of Allegiance that I like to start with on the beginning of the show, because on my end, uh, it stopped, her voice stopped saying it. So um, we are um, hopefully almost uh, back to normal. Is there anything else you could shut off?
1: It should be good.
0: Well, there's a serious lag right now. Is that on on your Wi-Fi? Can you put that on your Wi-Fi and your yeah, hotspot? No. Okay, fine. Yeah. Um. Okay. So hopefully we'll be good in just a second here. Um. I guess I'll go ahead and um start going. Um. So you turned off my mobile on that. let so see. You, I'll get it. Okay. doing that. Yes. Okay, but Mike, I can't do anything with the show until you do that. It's look at. I can't. <laughs> it's having issues. Okay. All right. Give us just a second here. We'll see if we can get it. Um, okay. That looks like it's slightly better. Okay. Well, all right. I'll start over and maybe I won't be all chappy and whatnot this time, but, uh, hello. Thank you for joining us. Um, I am constitutional attorney Catherine Henry and welcome to this week's episode of restore freedom weekly. I wanted to go through some great information and updates and everything else for you today. So um, hopefully uh, technology is better than it was to me last week. And uh, I want to say like three weeks before that when we were trying to do some videos and technology was failing me again, hopefully today will work a little bit better, but Today, what I have for you is, uh, some, some good news, some good information. Um, what I would like to do is first, um, invite you to check out our website, which is restore freedom. Okay, good. I'm seeing that people are saying there's no, there's no lag. Oh, you guys heard the pledge. Okay. Okay. Well, sorry. Um, then for on my end, because it looked all funky on my end. So hopefully you guys were, um, Good seeing, um, you know, seeing and hearing me, and and there were no issues on your end, and hopefully it'll continue that way. But um, at any rate, now that we're uh, up and rolling, uh, what I want to do is first invite you to go to the website, which is our new website, but same address, restorefreedomkh.com. Restorefreedomk is in Catherine, h is in Henry.com. And if you go to that main page, you will see, um, if you haven't already seen the video, And let me see if it'll let me share. Um, It's not going to let me share more than one thing, and I already have something being shared. But if you go to the main page uh, of that website and you scroll down, you'll see the um, video from the actual Election Day, uh, November 3rd, 2020, trespassing arrest. Uh, And um, you'll see a follow-up video that I had done shortly thereafter, um, also posted there. Um, There's some information that I posted right below that was dealing with last week's hearing and uh, tomorrow's jury trial date, but I will be updating that shortly. If you haven't seen the video uh, or maybe it's been a very long time, I would ask you to go ahead and watch it again because it uh, speaks volumes about what is happening here in our country? What's happening in Michigan? What's happening in the you know the entire United States? Government officials, law enforcement included, who are blatantly violating um, the Constitution, your God-given liberties, and stepping outside of the bounds of their authority in the first place. So, um, take a look at that video. I was um, going to play a little bit for you today, but not that technologically advanced yet. So um, maybe in the following weeks, I can figure out some of those aspects, um, adding it into the stream yard here. But in the meantime, what I wanted to do is, first of all, tell you what the outcome is. Well, uh, we I, I filed a bunch of motions in May regarding, basically, I just wanted a fair... Pr- process, fair procedure in this Allegan County Election Day 2020 case, right? So um, again, for those of you who might not have seen it or, or, you know, you're you're pretty new here, um, very quick and dirty overview is that um, I authored a constitutional amendment petition in Michigan in 2020. Um, I was organizing the whole, you know, the whole thing. We had thousands of volunteers all across the state of Michigan. And we were trying to gather the near half million signatures that were required. Uh, We had lots of people at the polls on Election Day getting the signatures of registered voters. Obviously, that's one of the best places to get signatures of registered voters. And uh, we um, uh, were, you know, set up with certain requirements following the law. You have to be over 100 feet. And this is something that generally applies throughout the U.S., Some states do a little bit more like Florida. I think it's like 150 feet. You have to be away from the door of the poll, but you can't collect signatures. You can't solicit votes. You can't advertise for a political candidate or whatnot, um, anywhere within the 100 feet from the front door to uh, the polling precinct. Um, These particular circulators that were there in Allegan County in Layton Township that day were 229 feet away. Uh, so there's no no argument that they were too close or anything. And uh, they were in a township that only has 300 and uh, 3,310 registered voters total. Um, and at any rate, so they were there, they had um, uh, you know some American flags, they had a sign by their car, they're just sitting out of their tailgate. I wanna say it was like upper 50s uh, in temperature that day Um, so just kind of based out of their car and people had to walk all the way past their own vehicles, uh, and continue on to their little setup there if they wanted to come and talk to them or, um, you know, sign the petition that day. So there was no impeding anybody doing anything. While well, they were being threatened with with being arrested for trespassing and i got on the phone with the deputy tried to work it out and resolve it and there was a huge i was thinking there was a huge miscommunication issue because he clearly did not know what the law was was reading from some sort of resolution and saying it was state law all kinds of ridiculousness. And I said, you know what? I'll just print all the relevant laws. I'll drive all the way down there. We'll talk about it. We'll be able to resolve it fairly quickly that way. And we each can go about our day. He said, okay, I'll be here when you get here. Um, I got there. He had been called away to another call, uh, but came back shortly thereafter and then did not want to speak one word about the law. Not once. Called in for two additional deputies. So there were three. And then he brought out the township clerk who wanted us to leave, uh, said she just didn't want us there. And he said, because she's the owner of the property, and he literally called it private property, uh, that she could tell us to go and we would have to go. And if we didn't, that was trespassing. And I just kept asking for just five minutes of their time to talk about what the law said, or even the resolution they claimed gave her the authority uh, to remove people, which it didn't. Um, and he refused. And then they went very quickly, uh, to, you know, zero to 60 in like 3.2 seconds and decided to physically manhandle me and arrest me, have all three deputies physically, uh, aggressively arresting me. And um, I ended up with bruises, contusions, uh, you know, cuts, and uh, I was bleeding, uh, I, all kinds of things besides the, uh, quite frankly, the PTSD to myself and my then six-year-old daughter, Emma, who was in the car and saw the whole thing as I was about 10 feet away from her when um, they started dragging me away. Wouldn't let me give my key, my car key to any of the adults I trusted there so that they could care for her while they were dragging me away. Uh, They wouldn't let me call my husband to come and get her. Uh, They said they were towing my car with her inside of it. Uh, once they finally looked in my car and realized she was actually there and I wasn't lying, then they said they were having CPS come and take her away from me. Uh, I mean, it goes on and on. Um, then they started telling people who started to call because I, I had been live streaming that. Um, they were telling people that I wasn't arrested and I wasn't going to the jail. Well, they didn't take me to the jail, but I was arrested that day and I've had to deal with that case ever since. I filed a motion to dismiss right away at the beginning. The judge um, initially said in, on February 4th, 2021, that I had no right as a defendant to file a motion to dismiss, that all I got was my right to a jury trial. And then in July of 2021, in the second set of court dates he gave us for um, to go to jury trial, uh, a few days before when we had our settlement conference, he said that I didn't have the right to raise any of my defenses. I couldn't tell anybody about the law or why I was there. And that kind of goes really to the heart of a trespass. If you think you have the right to be somewhere and you have a bona fide good reason for for thinking that, then even if you're wrong, they still can't hold you criminally responsible for trespassing. So uh, anyway, the whole thing has been an absolute um, um, nightmare. And um, anyway, Uh, So yes, it escalated very quickly. Um, I'm just looking through the comments here. Let's see. Um, Hi, Dwayne on Facebook and uh, Sharon on YouTube. Uh, Everybody else, yeah, I'm I'm having some glitches. My screen's not quite working right. So hopefully Lori can help me... uh, stay on top of if there's specific questions or comments I need to get to. But at any rate, so that's the incident of what happened and a little bit of the procedural history. I ended up filing some interlocutory appeals, which means an appeal before the final case is over. I'm appealing something that the trial court judge is doing. And um, I had to file several of those. Um, in order to get to the result. So the end result is that, um, we finally were allowed to have the hearing on my motions to dismiss again. And I had several other motions, uh, because I'd been denied open hearings. The public was never allowed in any of the prior hearings. Um, I'd been denied assistance of counsel. I had standby counsel before I'd been denied reasonable ADA accommodations. Uh, I'd been denied, um, uh, any kind of due process whatsoever. And so those kind of specific things, I actually put a motion in front of the court in May of this year. And I said, Hey, I want you, I'm asking for declaratory relief. I'm asking for you to acknowledge that I have the right to each of these things. And um, that was supposed to be heard on June 2nd, but on June 1st, the court just moved it. Moved everything, moved the trial again to trial date number eight uh, to tomorrow's date, actually, and then moved the hearing to last Thursday, July 7th, which happens to be Mike's birthday and Rachel Atwood's birthday. And um, so and my birthday being July 3rd, needless to say, we weren't very excited about having to spend our birthdays packing up, driving and being in an elegant with uh, with all those wonderful people in that courthouse. So at any rate, um, we, had, um, we had a hearing and the judge said on the record that he never watched the video of the incident, which we did a, a you know, pared down clean copy of, of everything um, and submitted that as part of my original motion to dismiss. And, and I submitted it, I filed it in uh, January of 2021. So we're talking over a year and a half and he didn't look at it. Um, Never, never once. And um, I don't think he'd actually ever read the briefs like he had said on the record that he had done because he claimed that he didn't know a lot of things uh, when he started this hearing last Thursday. But he ended up ruling that the township clerk had no legal authority to remove me from the property. And um, so he dismissed the trespassing charges. And then he recognized that the disturbing the peace charge uh, had even though we don't know exactly how they were saying I disturbed the peace, he said, uh, and he recognized I did have the right to resist an unlawful arrest. And so he did dismiss the disturbing the peace charge as well. So all in all, those charges are dismissed. Uh, I put a, a link in, uh, I think um, Lori was able to get it added, but I, I have a link um, to the PDF of the signed filed court uh, order dismissing the charges. Uh, I'll also have it up on the website later, but, um, that's the final outcome. Now, what are some things that, um, I wanted to share with you about that? Um, well, give me just one second here, because, um, I want to pull up for you, uh, and I apologize. This is where some of our technical difficulties have come into play, but, um, there we go. Give me just a second. My computer's lagging. Okay. Oh, that's not it. <laughs> so um yeah, it's being special. All right, here we go. Um, I am grateful for this outcome. But there was the initial assault and everything there was, I mean, their assault of me, there was, um, all the stress and, you know, the turmoil and everything else that's going on, but let's pause for a second and look at some hard and fast numbers here. To be able to get to the point where we could close out that chapter of our lives, where we could get a dismissal of these ridiculous uh, baseless, lawless criminal charges against me. I mean, it was criminal charges where if if I had been found guilty, I would have been facing jail time, not just fines, jail time. So it's a nightmare. Let me just put it that way. But what did it take to get to that point? And I'm this case, my case, is not unlike so many. And that's why I want to focus on this. Think about all the other people in in the country the entire country but even just the state of michigan even in just just little allegan county think of all of the other people that are having to endure this garbage think and think about that all those other cases where people don't have money to hire an attorney and they can't get a public defender or their public defender is a piece of garbage or their privately hired attorney doesn't know what they're doing or screws them over um think of all the people out there that are in this kind of situation, right? They're accused of something that they didn't do. Uh, that happens all the time, and we know it. Think about the January sixth defendants. Um, at any rate, th- this is this is what it took me in my case to finally get these charges dismissed. A constitutional attorney, an attorney who knew her rights from the first moment it all happened and never wavered on my legal stance or you know on any of that stuff. So just listen to what it took me to to get these charges dismissed. It took 1 year, 8 months and 4 days. So we're getting pretty darn close to 2 full years on this, right? It took over 20 months. It took over $4,000 of transcript fees, appellate costs, uh court filing fees, It took over 10,000 miles of traveling to the Allegan County Courthouse. It took 19 motions and five interlocutory appeals being filed. It took thousands of pages of documents and exhibits and uh, legal arguments being filed. It took hundreds of statutes, court rules, cases being cited, and of course, constitutional provisions being cited. I had to deal with five prosecuting attorneys in the course of this case, two district court judges, and two appellate court judges. I had to spend, no joke, thousands of hours doing legal research and legal writing. There was a period of time, it was between eight and 10 weeks uh, in spring of 2021 that I literally never left my house for eight to 10 weeks, never left my house to go to church, to go to the grocery store, to go to the gas station, never left my house once because I was working day and night, sometimes not sleeping at all, just staying up 24 hours, another 24 hours, writing these appeals and things of that nature. It took 11 court hearings, 11 court hearings for something that should have been dismissed from the second it was filed in the court. It took many days off of work that Mike had to take from his job, um, from his old job that he had in Michigan and the job that he has now. Um, Other people, other witnesses had to take time off of work. All of this to see this particular piece of justice done. But all of that and and the results that we have so far still doesn't make me whole or quite frankly, the state of Michigan whole for the countless signatures that the RFI petition lost. Think about it. It wasn't just the signatures that we were gathering that day where the deputies literally turned to uh, voters as they were approaching to sign and said, no, 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 you can't sign this. Get out of here. No, you can't even talk to them about this petition. I'm not joking. I'm not making this up, guys. The deputies, and it might have been in part of the the camera footage that we have, they literally told people they were not allowed to sign this petition. And then you have all the other people that were watching that were either getting ready to go do their shift at a polling precinct to get signatures for the RFI petition, or they were already there and they were seeing it unfold, or they were hearing people were calling and texting each other about it. If they're seeing me, the attorney who wrote the petition, being arrested for not violating any single laws and simply being there to defend two petition circulators who were also doing everything according to the law, then obviously people had concerns and they backed off from being at the the polls where they they were at. Um, This also, this result that we have so far, obviously does not make me whole for the many bruises, contusions, cuts, abrasions, all that, that I suffered at the hands of those three grown men, those deputies that swore an oath to the constitution. It doesn't make me whole for the lasting trauma that both I and my then six-year-old daughter, now eight-year-old daughter, Emma, had to endure because of all this. It's trauma. It's, it's sticking around, not just because this case is over. We're like, oh, it's all fine again. I had never been afraid of law enforcement in my life. Now, when I see law enforcement, I immediately tense up. And I could tell you that just days after this happened, when we had that weird warm spell in Michigan in um, mid November, early November, 2020. Um, So just days after the election, I'd met up with a Rachel Atwood and her family um, and Mike and I were there with Emma and uh, we were at the park, maybe a mile from the house and it was, um, Hey, are you on? You have to join it.
1: No, I'm not on because I didn't want to use any more
0: bandwidth. You won't be if you're on our Google Fi, you gotta connect it there and be on, please. Okay, because I'm going to bring in Mike, but um, it's the camera's not going to pick up him very well if he's uh, way over there. So, at any rate, um, um, it was you know it was, a, it was a nice warm day. I just needed to be in the sunshine, hence the reason I moved to Florida. Um, but I just needed to be in the sunshine, and they were playing yet yeah, on the playground equipment for a while. And I said, you know what, I just got to get back. Um, in fact, I was going to be working on my, um, my motion to dismiss, which hadn't even been filed in court yet. But I said, um, I got to get back at home to start working on that. And I'm going to just walk home because it's like a mile. It's not, not a big deal. And it's sunshine all the way there. I get out to the sidewalk. And if you're from, you know, the, the West Michigan area, if you know, in Jenison, Hudsonville area off of, um, um, 28th and Baldwin, um, that's where I was at Hager Park. We were leaving Hager Park and I was walking down 28th towards my house and I got, I was approaching the intersection at 28th, um, but I was on, um, I was on 28th approaching Baldwin. And from the um, West, I looked over and on Baldwin, there was um, an Ottawa County Sheriff's deputy approaching and it, then he looked like he was getting in the turn lane and that he was gonna turn left so he would be coming right towards me. And I can still remember the feeling I had of utter terror because even though I was in it was broad daylight and you know there were cars around, there were no other pedestrians. There were no other people like that I could just see right then and there. And I, I froze. Like on the inside, I was in so much terror that this, Sheriff's deputy was going to come after me for what? For walking on the sidewalk? I mean, if I can be arrested for serving as an attorney for people who were clearly not violating any state law whatsoever, um, violently arrested, then what's going to happen to me now? You know, so I, and I was a township trustee at the time. <laughs> uh, well, I had just been elected as township trustee for that very township. Uh, and so I, I shouldn't feel that way. That's not an unusual feeling. I'm not alone in that. And no one should have to fear law enforcement in general because of situations that have been happening to themselves or to others that they know about or care about. This kind of thing is not okay. So, um, are you almost in? I'm in. No, you're not. Scroll up. Okay. So we're going to be able to, t- oh, and there's Lori. Okay. Oh, oh, Lori hid her. I didn't
2: mean to. Um.
0: Okay. And I'm going to add Mike in here. Are you on our Wi-Fi?
1: No, not on wifi. Why?
0: Okay. Cause well, hopefully there's no drag here, but it looks like there might be. Okay. So Um, let's see, what else do I want to say? Okay. So, yeah, so I kind of covered this, but think of all the other things that this, um, dismissal with prejudice, so they can't ever file again, this dismissal, what does it not do to make us whole? Well, aside from what I already covered, it doesn't even attempt to cover or repair the harm caused by the loss of faith in the system. I, I lost my faith in the system. Thousands of other people who have seen this unfold, they've seen how the incident went down. They saw how the judges and the prosecutor continued to violate the law and the constitution afterwards. Um, and this has been a nearly two year span of time. That's something that's not repaired just because the case was finally dismissed. Um, if you think differently and by all means, let us know in the comments, but, um, so you know, I, I prevailed in this case in that sense, but all these government officials that have been involved have perverted the justice that I was due since day one. And, you know, they made it expensive. They made it time consuming. They made it life consuming. Now, Mike and I are wealthy by no stretch of the imagination. Not at all. Okay. We live in a very small house. We did have a bigger house, but it cost a lot less uh, than the one we have now. (laughs) So, um, you know, we live in a very small house. We live on modest means. We don't go, you know, we go maybe twice a year to the movie theater. Um, we, whatever we, you know, we don't, we plan on living here and then not having to ever go on vacation anywhere because you know, we can't afford it. We haven't been on a vacation and since before COVID. So, um, you know, this is not, we're, we're a typical American family. And, um, although I still have to pay for all my thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of student loans, I'm not bringing in any money. I'm not even bringing enough donations in to cover all the work that we're doing or the court costs that this case has cost us or the filing fees for the amicus briefs that are coming up, that kind of thing. So, I mean, we're wealthy by no stretch of the, like not, not even close to being considered wealthy in this country. Um, and yet, They do this kind of thing to people just like me all the time. They do this kind of thing to people with far less resources than what we have. So Sunday, I asked people to pray, pray for those that are enduring these kinds of situations to help pray for those who are trying to truly make systematic change. And I also ask that you pray, that God finally can put it on the hearts of these judges, prosecutors, sheriff's deputies, cops, whatever, that they, in that moment, finally feel enough pressure from God saying, this is not right. You must stop this. That we can start to see some change in that regard, because I can tell you, if it weren't for the prayers of so many people in my case, that judge never would have dismissed it on Thursday last week. Never even if you listen to his discussions and he was starting to finally touch on some of the points that were correct and acknowledge that there is a constitution, he then would circle back and say things like, had my car been parked in a parking space in the parking lot, then they would have had the authority to remove me and arrest me and beat the crap out of me. Like, no, no, they wouldn't have. Um, at any rate, so, um, I, we definitely need to pray for, for all for that. But, um, what I want to do now, I, you know, I told you kind of, you know, what, what happened, I told you, um, what that led to, what, what the result was of the case, which of course is the dismissal. I told you what it took to get us there. Now, let me tell you, first of all, what kind of resources are, are here for you, for you, and those, you know, and love in your own fight could be a criminal case. It could be a, a business licensing issue. It could be you're dealing with a local township on something. Uh, maybe they're coming after you because you have more than four political signs in your yard. I happen to know somebody in uh, a pretty, you know, close County to Allegan, um, who's going through something like that right now, maybe, um, whatever the case is, right. If you're fighting your own freedom battle right now, what are some resources that are available to you? Well, one of the links in the description, and I guess, let me pause real quick and ask, um, well, let me pause altogether. Um, Lori, are you, uh, were you able to get the PDF for, um, the resources, th- those two links that I texted you, were you able to get those in the, uh, in the description of the video? Do they already have that?
2: Yep, yep. And I labeled them. Okay.
0: Um, so you have a link to the order of my dismissal, but you have a link to a PDF um, that's on tan colored paper and it, it gives you um, the topics. So if you go to, um, Lori, I don't know if, can you throw in the link to the page of the website for the Allegan County documents?
2: Um, yeah, it will take me a minute and I'll post it as you. Okay, cool. Thank you.
0: So, um, so, Basically, if you go to my website, if if you're not able, if you're watching it on Rumble or something or Twitter or something like that, and you don't see the the comments here, um, if you go to my website, restorefreedomkh.com, if you go to resources, there's case documents and it's all intuitive. If you're not remembering this, you know, you're not memorizing it, writing it down, that's fine. I'm just kind of walking you through it. But if you go to resources and you go to case documents, you'll be able to see the Allegan County case. You can click on that. And then you can see a whole bunch of documents from that case. Um, So if you see the the documents there, um, you're going to see my motions, you're going to see my exhibits, you're going to see my briefs. I mean, thousands of pages of documents. Now, it's a lot to go through, but each brief has a table of contents. So you can look through and click through and whatnot. And I will make, um, a little bit more interactive the the website in general, um, as I build it myself, um, as I figure out the, the white right way to do it and coding and all that other fun stuff. Um, I'm going to do it so that if you're searching for a particular topic, like let's say you just have general due process that you need help with, that you'll be able to punch that in and it'll show you, That's how old I am. I said, punch that in. But anyway, you'll be able to type due process in the search bar on the website, um, and it'll take you to all the documents where we're focusing or videos where we're focusing on due process, for example. It's not set up to do that yet. You have to bear with me because I'm not a technology expert, but um, I will get that on there eventually. But in the meantime, you have this um, document that I'm sharing with you. And in fact, let me go ahead and share that screen right now. I'm going to back Mike and I out of this. Um, so if you see the, I don't know if this is too tiny, let me go ahead and make it a little bit bigger. Um, okay. So this document right here, resources from Allegan County case documents. We talk about a lot of resources. Okay. And for those of you who don't know, cause I, I didn't talk about him yet. Mike Henry, my husband uh, is the guy in the, the other little um, screen footage there. And I'm going to come to him in just a minute, but I want to tell you what resources are already available to you. If you are dealing with a situation where you need to know Uh, You need some legal arguments. You need to know what some of the laws are and some of the cases and some of the, you know, where in the Constitution does it talk about First Amendment, for example. You can find information on the First Amendment um, in all these documents about specifically the freedom of speech, about freedom of assembly, uh, the right to petition government for redress of grievances, ballot access, um, how a prosecutor shall not prosecute actions presumptively protected by the First Amendment. For example, there is a state law in Michigan that actually says those very words. Uh, You can find information on what core political speech is, um, public forums versus non-public forums, um, if you've heard of those terms, um, government interference with collecting signatures, Uh, For example, I know that a lot of you watching this are likely to be going out to the polls on primary election day. Um, And if your state's primary is already passed, you'd be out there on um, general election day coming up in November, but you plan to be actively involved in getting signatures for a candidate or a cause to um, let people know last minute, hey, don't forget to vote for this particular candidate, or, um, you know, let's uh, make sure to to vote yes on this proposal, something like that. Um, So... As you do that, what are your rights? What is the government able to do to restrict you or stop you or try to slow you down from doing that? Um, What are they allowed to do in that regard? Um, Election regulations specifically on circulating petitions, on your right to observe the election process. What if I had been there that day parked in the parking lot and walked actually into the building. And I wanted to see how elections were working there to make sure that everything looked legit. I have a right to do that, so do you. What does that look like? Um, How much local control over elections are there? Now, a lot of the laws that I cite on that point are specific to Michigan, but I do point to several key things um, at the federal level. Because the your rights as a voter, as a U.S. citizen who is voting, um, you have, as the electorate, you have rights that are the same across the whole U.S. You can't have some jurisdictions or some local you know municipalities um restricting you in some ways and have others not and then you don't know when you go from one to the other no there are some things that are just basic and fundamental that you have a right to that local municipalities are not allowed to touch so there is not a whole lot of local control over elections so we talk about that in there um Government officials, man, there's a lot jam-packed into all these documents that you can find on the source of the authority or power for government officials, the bounds of their authority, the lack of states' rights or government rights. There, are, There's no such thing as states' rights. If you're a states' rights advocate, then you're advocating against the Constitution because the Constitution, especially the 10th Amendment, is talking about power delegated to the states or to the federal government or reserved by the people, but it's in the ninth amendment clearly that explains that we, the people as individuals uh, created by God have these unalienable rights and we list some of them out. Uh, for example, in the first Eight amendments, but what we don't list out, we still keep and retain and have those rights. Um, but anyway, all of that is talked about in there. Uh, the constitutional oath, who, who must take it? What does that oath entail? Preemption. So if you have a situation where a local municipality is trying to override something that's already been handled at the state level or the federal level, uh, there's three different types of preemption and that this these briefs go over that. What is a law? Uh, what is a resolution versus an ordinance? What is the purpose of government? Um, can you arrest public officials in the official course of their duties? Uh, What are the duties of law enforcement officers, of judges, of prosecutors? What are the duties of local government officials in general? What is governmental immunity? And, um, you know, what does that really look like? There's not a ton on that. Uh, Last point, but there is some, and you can better believe there will be in future filings in court. But we'll go over that in a minute. Um, This is just the stuff that's already on the website available for you right now, whether you just want to learn more about any of these topics or you're currently fighting a fight and you need help with this. Trespassing well, criminal trespassing versus civil trespassing. Um, What are the required elements that the prosecutor has to prove? What is criminal trespass not? including. Um, disturbing the peace, what are the required elements a prosecutor has to prove for that? How is disturbing the, the peace distinct from trespassing? Um, it is. And if you listen to the hearing from last week, in my case, the judge and the prosecutor conflate those two topics. It's basically the argument is, oh, well, she was uh, trespassing because she's disturbing the peace but she's being arrested you know she she was um, the, the second charge of disturbing the peace was added because of the trespassing. Are you kidding me? No, they're separate and distinct and uh, in the hearing they didn't go over that. And I wasn't really given much opportunity to speak but you can look at the documents that I filed on this point. It'll definitely give you that information, especially since I've heard that even recently, very recently, there are people that are being arrested and charged for trespassing or disturbing the peace because they can't wear a mask or because they don't want to show some sort of medical, um, you know, um, jab-proof paperwork or because um, their political ideology is different or because you know whatever the case is. These resources for you will go over that and say, how, oh, that's not okay. These resources also go over uh, equal protection of the law, um, equal right, including the equal right of access to property that's open to the general public, not just publicly owned property, but like a Walmart or you know, a pizza hut or whatever, property that is open to the general public. Uh, of course, we talk about due process of law uh, and the right to access government or public property, your right to life, liberty, and property, uh, ADA accommodations. What is the source of our rights? We talk about that in the the context of the Declaration of Independence, the U.S. uh, Constitution preamble, the Michigan Constitution preamble. We talk about it in the sense, do you get your rights from government? Do you have to seek permission from the government for your rights? No. Appeals. You can learn how to file appeals based on um, what I've, be filed and what I've shared with you guys so far, including interlocutory appeals, what they are, um, motions for immediate consideration, how, what do those look like? Um, what about filing briefs and, and having all that formatting? Um, but better yet, yeah, because so many freedom fighters are out there getting uh, arrested and charged with crimes, we talk about all kinds of criminal defense topics in these briefs and motions. Um, Prosecutor burden of proof. The ethical requirements that a prosecutor has. Um, Prosecutor restrictions against prosecuting. Yes, there are actually state laws that specifically spell out, hey, prosecutor, you can't charge cases in this kind of situation. Uh, Yes, there was one of those statutes applicable in my case that nobody even touched with a 10-foot pole. Defendants, A defendant always has the right to challenge legal and constitutional issues, but so many are told, no, you don't have a right to do that. You can't file a motion to dismiss. Um, what are the different kinds and timing of a defendant's motion to dismiss? Do you have a right to discovery of the state's evidence? You have a right to fair process, a right to public hearings, assistance of counsel, ADA accommodations, speedy trials. Um... There's information on parking regulations. Um, Can a a ticket be modified after a defendant is served with it? What does improper service look like? Uh, Of course, we talk about uh, Eighth Amendment cruel and unusual punishment. Um, The right to resist unlawful arrest. Compensation for assault from law enforcement officers. uh, The right to subpoena witnesses on your behalf. The right to confront witnesses against you. The right to have your arrest record destroyed when your case is dismissed. Did you know that? Did you know you have a right to do that? Well, um, you'll see in the copy of the order. There's a two-page PDF in the description of today's video, and that second PDF is a copy of the court order. Uh, the first one is the order dismissing the case. The second one is just full-on order to destroy any arrest records. Make sure that if you're ever in that situation, you make sure to get one of those orders signed as well. We talk about subject matter jurisdiction in all these briefs. What is it? How does it work? How does it help you in your case? Um, And of course, substantive due process, procedural due process, and motions to dismiss in civil and criminal cases. What are the requirements? What are the different kinds? What is the format? There's a lot here, okay? There is a lot here, but we talk about all of these things um, in ways that are applicable and that you can use them you can use those resources but um okay so enough of that boring stuff um although it'll help you immensely
2: um i'd like to in a a second
0: yeah please do
2: um i think it's really important for people that aren't even going through this to read through it because a lot of what is here is something we should have learned enough growing up to for our rights that (laughs) <laughs> if I'm making sense, um, and and not only that, even if they have an attorney, especially if they have an attorney, they need to be definitely digging in this stuff and making sure their attorney is doing the right job as well. Um, and then also knowing will help their friend, so they might not be going through it, but their friend might go through it, and if they know ahead of time all this information, they're going to know, okay, this is what you need to do. Let's prepare <laughs> or whatever. So I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. And then um, I wasn't sure where you were going to go, but before we go too far, some people talk about going after their bonds. So I think we should be doing a show about that soon, but I thought you might touch on that. Um, uh, it's a
0: load of garbage. I mean, it's total bullshit as I'm I'll say that the bonds thing is total bullshit. And I did do a whole episode on it um, for, I think it was, I don't know if it was on Valentine's day or a few days before, um, but it is total bullshit and we can Oops. go into more detail on that later. But if it was a staples easy button, I would have pushed that damn thing a long time ago. I'll tell people that. Um
2: okay, I, I think I caught up on everything. So anybody that had questions that still need to be answered, please go ahead and ask them again.
0: People are saying they they're having trouble with the documents, so I'm not quite sure what's going on there, but um we will um I don't know if it'll help Lori if, if we try to get those um, the links posted separately, like in the description or in the um, comments here. Um I put put the uh, website again and Yeah, I'll go
2: I'll bounce out and do that real quick.
0: Oh, that's very strange. It only put it once for each. Oh, there it goes. Okay. Um so yeah, we'll try to if it we'll also work with the links again to make sure um you know that that we got it so if you can't open those documents right now um we'll make sure that when by the time you know we're closing out this um this video Uh, we'll double check and make sure that, you know, we don't need to do any tweaks or whatever access permissions or whatever the case may be. Um, but, um, yes, we will definitely do that. And I did post it's at least on YouTube and Facebook right now. I posted the link to the main website and then I posted the specific link that's for the, um, Allegan County election day case, um, documents. So, um, anyway, so there is that. Um, and, um, So I guess as far as where does that leave us now? So I keep pushing the bringing Mike in uh, down further in the in the agenda here. But um, many of you are probably wondering what's happening now or what you know, what's going to go on? Well, I'm only one person and Lori and Mike and I, we can only do so much in a day. Let me tell you what the plan is. The plan is to do something to hold all of those government officials accountable so they can, can not do that to anybody else. But there's some other freedom fighting issues that are very timely as well. And I have not been able to do anything about them. Many of you are probably aware of the video that I did recently. I want to say roughly a month ago where I was um, getting people up to speed on the governor's um, abortion case in Michigan. Governor Whitmer filed a case, a lawsuit against 13 prosecuting attorneys across the state of Michigan to stop from enforcing the abortion law. Uh, that was before the Supreme Court, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court issued their decision in the Dobbs case. Um, so that her case is, it started in a lower court. It's moving its way up. It's actually in the Michigan Supreme Court right now. When I um, did the video, it was at a point where she had filed um a request asking for the, the Supreme Court of Michigan to issue an expedited briefing schedule so that um, you know her brief would be due July, You know the, the final brief would be due just a few days ago, um, and that in like two weeks, the prosecuting attorney's briefs would all be due, and then her reply brief would be due like a week or so after that. Um, then she submitted something. Uh, she filed something in the court saying, hey, by the way, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court issued its Dobbs uh, ruling, so here it is. You know, anyway, when I checked yesterday morning at like 1 a.m., uh, the, the Michigan Supreme Court had not had not um, made a decision. They hadn't filed an order on her request for that. So um, I assume there's still going to be briefing and whatnot, um, and I plan to dig right into that because what I need to do is go with what. Um, at this point, I think it was over 200 of you who signed on to join in my amicus brief on that right to life issue. Because as far as I know, and I'll have to look at the thousands of pages that were filed so far, um, you know, we, we know Whitmer is, is arguing saying that the Michigan Constitution contains this um, inherent right to an abortion. And um, as far as I know, the prosecutors and all of those who have opposed her are essentially arguing um one of a few things, but they don't quite cut it. They're arguing there's no procedural right for the governor to file this case. They were arguing um, that it's a a legislative issue, that the people have the right to make this decision. And so the legislature has spoken and that's why we have these laws on the books. Um, They're arguing all those kinds of things. What I plan to come in and argue is the common sense, straight up, right out of the constitution language that everyone has a right to life, liberty and property And that their right to life, liberty, and property will not be denied uh, without due process of law. And if you allow uh, any kind of murder just off the top, then that's denying the right to life. So, um, and that is in the Constitution. So while you don't see the words of any words indicating a, a woman has the right to an abortion in the Michigan State Constitution, you do see that we all have the right to life and that includes minors, and that includes newborns, and that includes um, babies that are not yet born. All humans have that right to life. So. Um, I do intend on probably getting to that amicus brief first. If you do want to join us, if you want to sign your name to the only brief that's going to hammer on the fact that the U.S. and Michigan constitutions go far beyond what the stupid Supreme Court said in the Dobbs case. No, it actually, those documents say that, that right to life is literally in the constitution while abortion is not. And so if you want to join us in that regard, that um that um survey that I have out there for you to sign up and add your name to that is um still available online. You can see it on our updates tab. You can see it, it was shared in our social media. And I will also um hopefully this week, I'll have other some other pages of our website up and running, including um a surveys, um, a surveys um um, tab and you'll be able to find it that way as well. but um, please make sure to sign up that way if you want to join us with that. The next case is that iron pig case out of Michigan. I want to say it's Otsego County, but no, I don't know for sure. Um, anyway, it's the case that we had talked about back ooh, I don't know I think it was February and I talked about what the court um, what had happened in that case so far. Uh, and basically, Um, just to remind you, it's based on EOs. Now, the case that I argued in the Michigan Supreme Court in 2020 was based on the executive orders about COVID through um, those two statutes that the governor was using at the time. Then my very last brief in that case argued, hey, listen, Michigan Supreme Court, you better darn well step up and explain to this um, psychotic governor that she not only does not have the right to issue these orders under the 1976 EPGA or EMA, um, she doesn't have the right to do it under the um, uh, um, 1931 EPGA, which is, they declared unconstitutional, but I, I was the one, the only one that argued, hey, you also have to tell her she can't use the 1976 public health code. Because she's going to do that next. And I quoted many examples of the governor's own words and the Department of Health and Human Services director at the time, Robert Gordon, who were saying, we're going to take all of these restrictions that we put into these orders and we're going to go over here and make orders under this law and we're going to do the exact same things, exact same restrictions. Well, what did the Supreme Court do? They ignored me. And they let her continue, as all of you in Michigan know, they let her continue all these orders, October, 2020, November, December, And so she has continued to make these orders and you have restaurants and businesses who are seeing uh, ramifications from that now, like the um, iron pig case. In fact, just last, well, I think now May, May of this year, so like a month and a half ago, um, the state of Michigan filed additional complaints, yeah, against the Iron Pig restaurant for supposedly violating the EOs by the these EOs by having their restaurant open in December 2020. So just in May 2022, the state's filing a new complaint against the Iron Pig saying that they um violated, you know, public safety and health and all that, whatever, and so they they shouldn't have had their restaurant open in December 2020. This is after the trial court judge already declared that that statute was unconstitutional, and so their charges from November 2020 were not legit. So at any rate, this is stuff that is still continuing to happen. We need to fight this issue in Michigan and elsewhere. So Since the court didn't listen to me and put an end to it as they had the duty to do so uh, in um, October of 2020, I plan to file an amicus brief in that case as well. And as I see it, I checked one in the morning um, yesterday, that case is also not really moving very fast right now. And last I checked is it's still actually in the court of appeals. So I then plan to file an amicus brief in that case. Um, because, of course, what is the AG's office? Dana Nessel is trying to argue. She's trying to say, oh, Supreme Court and Court of Appeals, you have to throw away what happened in that case, uh, in the Midwest Health case in um, um, October of 2020, uh, that you when you said that the that EPGA is unconstitutional, you didn't really mean that. That was wrong. You know, it's not unconstitutional. The governor has to have the rights to do all these things. So... Um, Override that case, and um, you know, essentially reinstate all these powers that um, that the governor should have to issue these kind of EOs under any of these statutes. That's what they're arguing, and the answer is no. They should never have that power. I don't care if it's for two days or twenty-seven seconds or you know, six months. The governor and the legislature, none, of, no one in government has the right to override the bounds that are placed on their limits of authority by the U S and state constitutions in the whole U S no government official has the right to do that. And there's, there's some amicus briefs being filed and there's some good points that are made. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just dumbfounded that all of these attorneys and, and all of them get paid less money too. So that kind of sucks except for me. But anyway, all of these attorneys that are arguing these cases, all of these um, organizations and freedom fighting groups and whatever they get in and they argue these things or whatever, they always miss the key points. We don't get our rights from the government. We don't get We don't have to ask permission from the government. They are only allowed to limit what we do when our exercise of our freedom impinges upon the freedom of others. And I use the example when I was on the the church split podcast recently that my friend Brian Bode, you know, if he um, decides to move on down to Florida, as I've been begging a lot of my friends in Michigan to, but it's because I miss you all. uh, He moves on down to Florida and we're neighbors and he's living at that house right there and we're doing all this remodeling. And we've been digging out all kinds of, you know, huge weeds and whatever. And we're, you know, putting in all this stuff. And so we're, we're leveling the ground and we have this big chunk of like just bad dirt, bad earth, right? Just a bunch of weeds and whatever. And I, I don't know where to put it. And I have all this, you know, extra construction material. It's useless. It's, it's dirty. It's molded. It's broken, whatever. What am I going to do with it? Well, I'm cleaning up my place. So I'm going to just dump it over the fence and put it on his property next door. Well, no, that's the purpose of government right there is to make sure that when I'm exercising my liberty, I'm not doing so in a manner that's directly interfering with the ability of Brian in that example to use his property as he sees fit. So that is the purpose of government. And all of these attorneys, judges, you name it, they skip that point. Even if you look at that, um, EPA decision that the U.S. Supreme Court handed out on June 30th, the one that I tried to give you guys a video and description on and go through the case uh, with you when I was on the road um, last Tuesday. And I want to say, shoot, I forgot the name of the state. Um, anyway, it was a state versus the EPA. And um, at least the post is out there with, with, with the documents and the court opinion and everything there are some conservative organizations that have been touting that as like this, Oh my gosh, this case is awesome. And it literally declares that that all of these um, alphabet soup agencies are unconstitutional. The case actually doesn't do that. It, it kind of goes somewhat in the right direction. And then you have uh Gorsuch's opinion that um, his concurring opinion, which is not binding on anybody that goes a little bit farther. Now his reasoning is great, right? He says things about, you know, this administrative state is so large and the founders never imagined that it would look like this. And the founders never set it up so that all these unelected bureaucrats would be, um, you know, unaccountable to even the the administrations that put them in power and created their offices. But they also are totally unaccountable to all of the um, the people. And we, the people, have the ultimate control and authority. It's a republic after all. Right. Article four, section four of the U.S. Constitution. Well, these uh, these agencies—the IRS, the Department of Education, the Department of Homeland Security, um, the any of them, any any of the alphabets, right? The EPA, um, none of them have constitutional authority. None of them can exist. None of them can make their own rules and regulations. Now, I can say this: you can have a government agency that makes its own rules and regulations for how it manages its own internal affairs as long as those rules and regulations do not um, impact the the ability of the citizens to exercise their rights. So if you have some sort of rules and regulations that, um, I don't know, uh, are, you know, to encourage transparency. If I was the manager of um, you know, the, the, the secretary of state offices or whatever, and I wanted to say, um, you know, well, You know, we we have to have a a very clear uh, procedure about how to handle freedom of information requests. And we have to make sure that our offices are actually open to the public. I know, Jocelyn Benson, that makes you cringe thinking that the Secretary of State offices actually have to be open to the people. But, you know, that they're open to the public at least five days a week, maybe six, maybe seven. Um, and that you have hours that work around, you know, people that work first shift, second shift, third shift, whatever, you know, those are the kinds of things where it's, it's rules and regulations that are internal that um, are trying to make it so that the people are better able to exercise their own liberties not infringe upon the people's liberty. So those would be examples of different rules and regulations, you know, that that certain um, documents get filed in that drawer or, you know, that you, um, when you want to share uh, different information into office, that it's done in this procedure or whatever, right? Those are the kinds of things that you can make rules and reg that those government agencies can make their own rules and regulations for. But um, aside from that, it's only the legislative bodies your township board, your city council, your um, um, state legislature, Congress at the U.S. level. It's only those agencies or those um, bodies, I should say, that are allowed to actually make laws that control uh, or touch on the lives of American citizens and only constitutional laws at that, but that's a different story. Anyway, even in that opinion that so many people are like, oh, this is a phenomenal opinion and it does so great. And it it comes out and says, these agencies are unconstitutional. Even that justice, who wrote those words about this is not the way it was intended and blah, 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 blah. He then points out, Oh, but we can all agree that there's, you know, that, that, um, administrative agencies, you know, have a, an important job to do nowadays in government. Uh, excuse me. We all agree. I don't agree to that. And I'm a citizen of the United States and I'm someone who has sworn many times to uphold the U S constitution. So, we're, I, why do if we all agree, even if we all agree that we should add stuff that's not constitutional, why does that mean it's okay to just add it in? If the I mean, then make a constitutional amendment if it's um, such an agreed upon thing, right? But it's not. I mean, it would be totally inconsistent with the entire system of our government if we were to continue on purpose having administrative agencies have any kind of bearing on the rights of the people. So at any rate, um, what I plan to do is file an amicus brief in that right to life case because I'm going to touch on issues um, that have not been yet hammered on or focused on uh, by the pleadings so far filed. I then Plan to talk about or or, or work on um, an Amicus brief in that Iron Pig case to make sure that all of the people that have been filing in that case, that all of the agencies and and the parties and the courts and everybody and the judges, everybody involved, they remember that the government is not allowed to do those things, and it's not just because the Michigan Supreme Court said so in October of 2020, but that the Michigan Supreme Court said so in 2020 because the government can't do that, but also because of all these other reasons why they can't do those things. So I plan to file that amicus brief. Then where does that leave me? Well, I also need to make sure that I can finish fleshing out and updating this website for you guys, because it has like a, a Quarter of the resources that I want to have on there for you. I want to make it so easy for you to go on there and find whatever documents, whatever videos I've done in the past on topics, whatever resources that I can put right at your fingertips. I'm going to put, I have the full text of the US Constitution on there. I'm, uh, I think I'm in the drafting stages of the Michigan Constitution. I'm going to have the Florida Constitution. Those are the ones I want to have up right away. Eventually, all the states' constitutions will be on there. But these constitutions are going to be on there. And um, I'm also rewriting our entire app, our Constitution app, which is going to have far more than just the bare words of the Constitution. So these are things that I plan on doing yet this summer. Um, Of course, we're going to start Constitution. um, I still am going to write that Constitution book, an actual book for that, but also um, Constitution courses. We're going to focus on some constitutional courses for adults, but also for children. Um, And definitely ones that homeschooling students should take, but even um, hoping to make some good partnerships with private schools or, heaven forbid, uh, public schools to make sure students really know about their rights, about the Constitution, about the Declaration of Independence, about all those aspects that I guarantee you 99.9% of teachers and other uh, school officials don't know anything about. Not because they're horrible people, but because they, too, have not been given that information um, well enough, right? So, anyway, can you take all that off? Are you able to take those off? Those right there. They're, are they new? Yep. So they, they, they just came on there. They just came on. They need to be blocked. Sorry, there's... um some spam happening to us on one of our platforms right now. At any rate, um, those are, um, resources I want to have for you. Um, I'm not going to have the website 100% all done cause it's never going to be hundred percent done. There's always new resources I'm going to want to add to give you, but at some point after I get those two amicus briefs and then, um, a few more aspects of this website and the app up and running, then I will be filing a lawsuit yes, I will be filing a lawsuit against those that need to be held responsible for all of that has been done in this Allegan County catastrophe of a case. Why? Well, my daughter has been traumatized for a quarter of her life, a whole quarter of her life. I've had to sit at my desk for hour upon hour upon hour, day after day, week after week, month after month to write all these briefs, to write all these motions, to do research, to get exhibits ready, to do all this stuff when I never should have been arrested in the first place. Every single person, every single person who at all impacted that from the, um, the clerk in the first place to the deputies, to every single prosecutor who touched that file, the judges, anybody who decided that the constitution was no longer relevant, and that their duty to that constitution was no longer important. Those are the people that are going to be involved. I'm actually also going to touch base with other people that are uh, that possibly need to be um, uh, co-plaintiffs with me. The two circulators that day, well, three circulators that day, um, voters that were involved and had their rights infringed upon by the um, deputies that were there that day. Um, So if you were there that day and you were one of the people that got turned away from the deputies, please reach out to us because we would love to have you on board, whether you just want to be a witness, whether you just want to, you want to put your name out there, anything. We want to have you involved to help with this. Now, is this a get-rich-quick scheme for me? No, because I'm going to tell you, it almost never works out that when I try to hold, uh, it it has never worked out for me to get any kind of full reparations or benefit from trying to pursue these kinds of things. At the most, maybe what I get is reimbursement for court filing fees and that kind of thing. Um, Maybe I will be blessed this time enough to get some sort of um, expense for the out-of-pockets that we've had on all the the other aspects of this. All the time Mike had to take off of work, you know, um, things like that. But what I'm most concerned about is to have those government officials held accountable. They need to make sure that they are, well, it'd be great if they were removed from office, but we need to make sure they are not able to do those things to anybody else in those counties. We need to make sure that they are held as examples so that no one else can do this to anyone else. And um, would I file just in state court? Probably not. It'll most likely be in federal court because there's some federal constitutional issues, obviously, as well as the state issues. So um, my goal is to take this case as far as it needs to go. Of course, no matter who loses at the trial court level is probably going to appeal it to the court of appeals and then whoever loses there is likely to file an appeal with the U.S. um, Supreme Court. I'm licensed all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Even if I wasn't just representing myself, I can also legally represent others at the U.S. Supreme Court. So um, when it comes to seeing this all the way through, I want this case to make it all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court so that it is clear for all government officials at every level, in every branch of government, in every single state, or in any federal capacity, that you cannot pull the garbage that you pulled on me in this case. You can't do that to anybody else. Your reign of terror is over. I don't care if you have an R behind your name at an election such as Myrene Koch from, you know, Allegan County Prosecutor's Office, or Sheriff Frank Baker from the Allegan County Sheriff's Office. I don't care if you're out there telling people you're a conservative or you're, you know, you're a Republican. It doesn't matter if you're going to violate your oath of office, even if you're going to just stand silently and let others do the dirty work and not stop them when you know you have a duty to stop them. You're going to be held accountable. So. Out of that, that's going to be the first main step on holding these government officials accountable and trying to get that systematic change. But even if we go through all that case and we win at the Supreme Court of the U.S. right and and get all that kind of stuff done, that's not going to be enough. We then need to make sure we're finding ways to educate all government officials all over this country. So I need help. I need the help of people uh, to to, you know, partner with me that we can bring this information on what the rights and responsibilities are of these government officials to the individual law enforcement agencies, to the sheriff's departments, the police departments, to those prosecuting attorney's offices or local city attorney or, uh, you know, county attorney offices that we need to um, Connect with judges, local judges, trial judges, appellate judges, uh, local government officials, your township, city, county, you know, clerks and, you know, your city council members and other board members, that kind of thing. We need to make sure that these officials know what their job really is and what the limits of their job contain. They really have to know that because right now they don't. And it's not just in this county. We all know that. So, um, at some point, I just I see somebody mentioned Chris Ann Hall. It, um, at some point, hopefully, she'll return our call. We tried to call and get it, you know, set up a meeting with her like a month ago, um, since we're both down here in Florida now. But um, guess she's too busy. But whatever, we'll we'll if it'll if if it's meant to be, it'll happen. So, um, let's see. Um, Republicans are too pro-police. You know, what's funny about that is, um, and I want to say it's my husband that pointed this out. Maybe not. Maybe I'm giving credit to him and it shouldn't be, but um, Mike, you'll have to let us know if I'm wrong about this. Um, But I want to say it was Mike that recently said that, you know, there's either, um, people are either totally Four government official, or excuse me, totally four law enforcement officers, like thin blue line all the way, or they're like, you know, it's like BLM and anti-police and defund and all that other stuff. There's really not a whole lot of people that are in the middle going, whoa, law enforcement has a very important job to do. They are there to serve and protect, but the whole system needs to be redesigned and re-engineered to know what their job really is. There needs to be a re-education happening systematically. Um, So anyway. um, That that
1: might have been me. There is no correction system in place for when they screw up, except for lawsuits.
0: Can you turn on your mic so they can hear you?
1: We're going to get an echo.
0: Okay, before. well, talk super loud because I want to make sure people heard that, what you just said.
1: Well, there's no correction system in place. Um, the only way to correct uh, any mistakes they make is by suing them, and it, it shouldn't take that. Uh, if, if a judge makes a decision in, in a case like ours where, where this whole thing was thrown out, it was dismissed, there's no automatic correction going back to the people that screwed up. So then we have to do even more work to correct them. Why Why is it our responsibility to correct the police officers that don't know their job?
0: Right. Um, okay, I don't know if you guys didn't have the ability to block that person, but I, I did block that person. So those of you who are commenting on it, um, I did block, block that uh, person that was doing things not appropriate on here, but anyway. Um, Okay, so I wish I had attorneys in Montana that weren't scared of the city attorney. Uh, Yeah, yeah, there should be attorneys that are willing to actually defend people if that's what their their job is. They shouldn't be afraid of going against, I'm not afraid of going against any of these attorneys. I'll go against the Attorney General of the United States of America. That's my job. My job is to advocate for people and to fight for truth and justice and uh, for the Constitution. That's what I took an oath to do. If I wasn't willing to do that, I shouldn't have taken that oath. And for any attorneys who are not willing to stand by their oath and do what's right, uh, they need to step aside. They need to retire. They need to sell their law practices and close their doors and walk away because it is, um, it's devastating, um, what they're doing to, to our country, not just the legal profession. Um, okay. So let's see. Yes, yeah, so the district court hearing, dang it, that was one I wanted to put in there. Um, if um, y- there's a particular individual um, that uh, let us know about a link who um, somebody had had gotten the court's video feed because um, it's live. it was live for the case. Um, but the court has been, even though it's open to the public, the court has been taking down their, their video feeds, especially of my case, like right away. And you can't watch it again. While well, somebody was able to somehow get it and get it on their YouTube or their rumble or whatever. I haven't seen it myself yet. Um, but they were, um, they were able to get the video feed, um, and, and have it on there. So, um, if anybody that's in this feed, if you've seen it or you've heard about it, um, and you have the link, um, share it with others. So people can see, um, I am working things out with the court in my case to set aside their, uh, the judges entirely unconstitutional gag orders that are supposedly prohibiting me from sharing any of the video footage from any of the hearings. Um, once I get that all cleared up, um, I will be, you know, we'll be releasing those and getting those on the website and on our social media platforms and everything. So, um, At any rate. um, So, gosh, I don't remember. We're already over an hour. Um, Let me see. Are there any Lori, can you hear us? I thought I already took this person off. Lori, are you there? Oh, it's actually multiple users that have their ridiculous nastiness on my YouTube channel comment feed right now. So sorry about that, guys. Um, We didn't get all of them. Um, They look very similar, but anyway, too many bots, I think, all at once. Lori, are you you with us right now? Trying to be. Okay. Um, Were there any questions or comments that I'm, I, my feed is not, it's not gracefully scrolling. So it's jumping around and I can't see if there are any that I missed.
2: Um, I haven't seen anything new. Some people pointing out that chief of police are unelected positions. I think maybe fo- um, touch on the what like township and city police departments. A lot of people, I think, understand the sheriff, but they don't understand where um, you can go when you have problems with city and township police. I'm sorry, I got garbage getting picked up. Um, where I guess the, they don't
0: understand, understand what the question the,
2: is, the township city board um, is the one that quote unquote hire the police? So you're just talking that. about if
0: people have issues with their um, police department. You're just talking about what what their recourse is. Yes. So yeah. So if, if if you know if you have some issues with your local police department, your local police chief or officers or whomever, and um, you know you're looking for avenues for getting something done about it. They're they're violating their oath of office. They are, you know, violating the law, whatever. Um, off, there are uh, internal policies or ways that you can file complaints within the police department, but there often are ways that you can file complaints at your state attorney general's office. Um, but if you want something that's kind of in between those, if you go to your Um, if it's a city police department we're talking about, then you go to your city council and they are the ones that essentially have the authority to, um, make changes, um, uh, to, you know, in a systematic way to a police department, um, your county, um, may have some of those, um, types of authorities in context of a, of a sheriff's department, but it really depends because a sheriff himself is a constitutional office. Police departments, um, I've never seen anyway, maybe it's in a state constitution somewhere, but police departments are uh, not a constitutional office. There's something that is essentially created by a state statute. Whereas um, sheriff's departments are um, constitutional offices. They're they're an office that is referenced or created by um, the constitution itself. Um, Shoot. And I saw somebody. Okay. So somebody was asking about um, my stand. What is my stand on qualified immunity? Uh, So (laughs) let me put it this way Um, without going into the specifics of You know, the nitty gritty on different kinds of immunity, it should be this way. Okay. If you have a government official, we could be talking about a police officer, a sheriff's deputy, you could be talking about a prosecuting attorney, a judge, a township official, a county board member, whatever, any government official whatsoever. If that government official is doing the job correctly, if that government official is um, abiding by, the bounds placed upon them by state law, uh, by federal law, uh, by any kind of local laws, but also by the U.S. and whatever particular state's constitution, if that government official is acting within the bounds and the requirements of the constitution, then they should have um, a, a, a governmental immunity, so to speak, so that our government resources are not wasted on... Um, you know, countless people filing because there are people that abuse the system and they just want to um, file case after case after case just to irritate or harass or whatever. So um, there should be an, an immunity for for government officials who are completely within the bounds of the Constitution. Now, if you are a government official and you are doing something that steps outside of the bounds, you are violating somebody's rights, even their unenumerated rights, you are you know, doing something or acting in a way that the constitution does not specifically allow you as that government official to do, then you don't get immunity. There is no immunity whatsoever. The constitution does not allow it and i don't care what statute or court precedent or court rule or anything else says that you as a government official will continue to get any kind of immunity in that situation if you are stepping outside of the bounds of your constitutionally provided authority your the authority that we the people have delegated to you in that specific role then there is no immunity for you you can be sued and you should be sued and you need to be held responsible now better yet What if say you have a government official who's in a position and the entire position is outside of the bounds of governmental proper governmental authority. And you have, you know, um, an administrative agency or something of that nature. And that person is making, um, you know, taking actions that are impacting the freedom or the rights of citizens. Well, even if you're within the bounds of the law, if your entire office and everything, every duty that you're doing um, that the law allows you to do, if all of those things are actually not allowed or not accounted for or not delegated in the constitution, then you can't be protected by governmental immunity. Just because you're in the government Just because you might be following a state or federal law doesn't mean you should be immune. The constitution is the supreme law of the land and no government official is allowed to do anything unless they are given specific authority to do so from we the people. So if you can't find in the constitution where it says you're allowed to do X, Y, Z as a government official, then you better darn well not think about doing X, Y, Z because you don't have the authority to do it. Hopefully that gives um, the answer to those of you asking about governmental immunity and um, and especially my stance on that. Um, oh, let's see. Okay. Um, let's see. Oh no. Um, Jeremy, you are uh, mentioning that you've been trying to donate, um, and that the website is not working for that. I apologize for that. Um, if you'd be willing to reach out to us directly, maybe send me screenshots of a couple of things so I can try to figure out if it's one of the payment processors, if it's the website, um, if you've tried to do it recently, like was it within the last you know, three weeks since we have the the new website up and running or before that. um, I definitely want to figure out where the problem is so I can get that fixed. Um, Okay. So let me see if there's any,
2: how Um, much, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Somebody said, what are your thoughts on prosecutorial discretion? You kind of touched on that on uh, one of our episodes. I thought I'd throw that out there.
0: Uh, yeah, give me, sorry, sorry, one second. I just happened to see Purple Mart, purple Martin View on YouTube. Is that Jane White as in Herbalife, Jane no, White? I think so. Um, well, Jane uh, White, if you are Jane White from the, west michigan area that i know um from herbalife stuff uh then hello and i miss you lots and i hope to see you somewhat soon if you're in florida please let me know um but uh anyway um i'm sorry you said um um
2: prosecutorial uh discretion You have, we did the episode about prosecutors that you touched on that, but I thought maybe you could just highlight the gist of the prosecutor deciding when to push a case, when not all that.
0: Yeah. Okay. So just briefly, you know, prosecutors do have a notion of prosecutorial discretion. And I agree with that because in general, there's, um, there could be something, you know, a situation where a law has, um, technically been violated, but perhaps there's some extenuating circumstances or, you know, there's situations where, um, that particular thing is, um, and I can't even think of an example for you, but where it's just not appropriate given the circumstances. Okay. So, um, I guess for example, um, give me a second here. Um, for example, where um, I was representing once an individual who was an adult and he um, you know he's he well over 18, he was charged um, under a Michigan statute. I was a public defender and he was charged with um, providing alcohol to minors, which is basically a strict liability crime. So in other words, in, in most crimes, the prosecutor has to prove a criminal intent. men's rea is the term. They have to prove that you had the intent to do this criminal act. Whereas in a, um, a statute of limit, or statute of limitations, in a strict liability case, um, if there's something that's just so bad or awful or whatever that the legislature has set it up that the prosecutor doesn't have to prove what you were thinking or what you intended, the fact that it's done means you're guilty. Um, that, and I can't, off the top of my head, I can't even think of anything that would, um, justify that kind of a situation. But anyway, so I represented this individual who was an adult and he was charged with providing alcohol to minors. He actually provided it to one minor who turned around and shared it to other minors. Here's the situation. This individual would, had a, um, has a developmental disability, literally does not know the difference between alcohol and fruit punch um, a wine cooler or a Mike's Hard Lemonade or um, um, flavored Mountain Dew. This individual is not somebody who goes and drinks and gets drunk, but had a, at the time, uh, a 15-year-old cousin who was very conniving and knew exactly what he was doing and was saying, hey, you know, let's go to the store and get some drinks and snacks and whatever. and We're going to hang out. And so he did. He took him to the store and they got drinks and snacks. And while well, that included I want to say it was like Mike's Hard Lemonade or something like that. They got alcoholic beverages. Um, But again, my client did not know. He technically violated the law, but I had to insult his um, personhood by winning. I won, but I had to win by saying that my client, and actually the way Michigan law is set up, is I first had to um, bring up that he wasn't even, um, not that he was, not criminally responsible, but that he was not able to withstand criminal charges because of his mental state. And that's actually what I won on, which really ticked me off. I didn't want to have to win on either one of those, but if I had to win on either one, I'd prefer to win on the the second side of it, which would have been basically further down the stage and at trial that my client would not be criminally responsible because, um, he didn't have the mental capacity to commit this crime. Um, at any rate so that's a, a situation of strict liability where my client uh there's no justice to holding my client responsible in that regard what is he going to learn from that he's not going to learn anything how is it going to deter anything is it going to deter anybody else in a similar situation those who also have disabilities are they going to know about this case and hear about it and and go oh oh that means i can't buy anything for anybody ever i mean there's no common sense to it even. Um, So in that situation, the prosecutor's office should have used prosecutorial discretion to not charge my client. Um, His cousin was actually charged and brought to justice through the um, juvenile court system, and that was appropriate. Um, and the girl's parents that he, that cousin turned around and shared this alcohol with these other kids. Yeah. Those teenage girls' parents are upset and they, you know, rightfully should try to go after that teenager who knew darn well what he was doing. But no one in that situation thought that my client should be held criminally responsible and facing jail time. So that is a situation where uh, prosecutorial discretion should be used because we've now uncovered a um, not a loophole, but basically a void in the in the law, a setup where somebody could be held responsible for something that it would not be just or right to hold them responsible for. Um, so there is there, there, there is that side of prosecutorial discretion. However, um prosecutors by and large have taken that as like this. This free reign, this blank check to do whatever they want, however they want, charge later, hold potential charges over somebody's head because they're like, well, you know, if you don't play my game, then I'm going to do X, Y, Z. I mean, it's all garbage. And so, you know, no matter what, a prosecutor has to is bound to dismiss charges that have no probable cause, that have no uh, legitimate purpose in a court, whether it's because of legal, like in my case, it wasn't an issue of physical proof. It was an issue that that charge didn't exist. It was inapplicable in this situation. That should never have been brought to trial. As soon as the deputy filed it and the case began, the prosecutor had the duty to read it and go, nope, we're dismissing this case. Well, um, and that would have been considered prosecutorial discretion, but in reality, it's the prosecutor's duty, uh, to follow and abide by the constitution, let alone all their ethical obligations. So I hope that answers the question without getting too far out there. Um, Lori, was there anything else? Um,
2: let me see. I don't think so okay
0: all right yeah, um so um because i totally made him i forced him to sit here and um do the show with me and then i didn't even tag him in on anything yet mike why don't we bring you in can you uh just come on over to mine because your Mike is is not able to to go um Come on. Act like I'm not gonna bite you. Okay, maybe I will. Um scoot a little bit closer, dude. Like just because you're tiny. See? Okay. There's no one here. it doesn't matter. Become one. one with my desk. Okay, fine. Give me a second. Okay, so um please tell everybody what do you have to say about this case or um government officials, anything. What What do you have to add, um, to the billions of words that I already said today?
1: Well, my biggest issue with this is that everybody has their own, their own job and everybody knows their job, except apparently a lot of police officers. I, I don't understand how they, they, they think that they're doing their day job. They're, they're, uh. It's their nine to five, you know, five days a week or whatever. I don't know how what their hours are, but it's their it's their job. And they don't realize how not doing their job appropriately, correctly, how it affects the the public. Obviously, in this case, they just don't realize how it affects the public. They can screw up in their job and cause uh, just complete havoc in people's lives. And to them, it's just the job. They just go home at the end of the day. They don't worry about it. And then really after that, they don't have to think about it again because it's, it's not their problem anymore. If it goes on to... In our in our case, to a prosecutor, and then they continue the BS. Um, if if they don't know the laws that they're enforcing, uh, I, I don't know how how to how to talk about that. Uh, somebody should be held responsible for for police officers, uh, law enforcement. Peace officers, however you want to say it, and I kind of like the idea of peace officers, um, somebody needs to be responsible for them when they screw up. And maybe there's a system in place I don't know about, but in, in this case, it seems like it's our responsibility now to make sure that there's uh, some correction involved. Now, why we've already had to go through enough on this case why should we have to then go further to take care of this to to make sure that uh, that police officers that law enforcement officers sheriffs deputies don't repeat their mistakes why is that on us to do that it it's it's almost just more punishment that we have to go through it's certainly going to cost us a lot of time
0: and thousands of dollars there's going to be court filing fees there's going to be depositions there's going to be motion fees there's going to be traveling fees there's going to be you know fees to get the documents the transcripts the videos the exhibits i mean it's going to cost us thousands of dollars
1: if there's if there's i don't understand how there's not a system in place i mean the the sheriffs They have a a statewide uh, association. Uh, They have countrywide associations for sheriffs. How come they already don't have a system in place to correct the mistakes that are made by deputies and then try to make it right with, with the people that they, that they, uh, uh, you know, that their actions affected.
2: Well, I, I, I tend to think that if the sheriff were doing the right thing and the deputies were not, the sheriff would step up and have that conversation with the deputies. I think in this particular case, you, you've you got deputies ill-educated. You've got a sheriff that apparently is not well-educated or he would have known that they were doing wrong. Or he's choosing to ignore it because they're buddies. And then you got a prosecutor that if the, you know, if the sheriff and the deputies were were wrong, the prosecutor would be like, hey, sheriff, you're doing something wrong. And then so she's doing wrong already. And then you got the judge, too, that would then be like, hey, prosecutor, you're doing wrong. You know, hey, sheriff, you're doing wrong. All those people in that whole ladder going up to the top are corrupt. I think in in a different county where you had a, a good either prosecutor, a good judge, or and or a good sheriff, those would come into play. I think that's what we're lacking is it's it's corrupt. All you know, at, you climb the ladder, you're going to find corruption, all the way from the bottom on up. But yeah, so they
1: we, they all work ahead. in the same building. I I understand the sheriff's department has a separate building, but there is a number of sheriff's deputies. In the same court building in Allegan County, and you know they talk. They they talk to the pro. They know all the prosecutors. They know the sh- the the judges. They they all know each other. And I can't imagine that they aren't trying to look out for each other. Uh, what else am I supposed to think when something like this happens?
2: Yeah. I agree. And
1: the judge was saying in this case that um, this was not, the you know, he was talking about the car being parked in the grass, which if he had read anything on that, he would know that. If he'd seen the video that we presented as evidence. A year and he, a half ago. He would know that the car was parked in the grass. We were 200 and some feet away. And he, he did know that we were significantly further than 100 feet away.
2: So... I I was just going to say, he even said he he was familiar with the parking lot. So there's really no excuse on anybody's part in this. Had they even looked very briefly at this, they should have said, oh, there's flags. We need to take some more time and look at this. None none of them did that. And I think that that lack of accountability has a lot to do with that. That hasn't been happening probably for decades even. And especially when you get in, uh, Allegan County seems to be very good old boys club. Um, But even when you get in those, maybe not so good old boys clubs, they still, they want to defend their own. Um, You would have thought Rodney King way back then would have cleared all that, but it didn't, you know, you, walking into this now after knowing what happened back then that they highlighted even then that you shouldn't stand back and watch you need to stop it and so even even though Langloy was acting wrong the other deputies should have been smart enough to stop it but they they were just going along to get along because you know the prosecutor said you know that's their claim
1: right yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I did forget what my train of thought. But the judge said that he he initially thought that this case, um, that that this was different than than what he's now understanding because it, apparently he did finally read something and found out that the car was well beyond the 100 feet, and and uh, he he went back to some some general uh, constitutional rights and realized that you know we had a right to be there, but his initial he was saying his initial understanding was not that way and he, he didn't really get into what his initial understanding was. but how did he have an initial understanding? Where did he get that from? Was he only looking at the, the prosecutor's um, filings on this, which they really didn't file a whole lot. Was it all word of mouth from inside that building? Was it was there direct phone call communication between the, um, between the sheriff's department and the judges or and of the prosecutors and so everything was just you know what what the uh, deputies were saying is like yeah they they were out there causing problems in the parking lot and so then the judge all they were they're causing problem, problems in the parking lot well yeah then they should be trespassed is that all it all it was? Is that his own his whole understanding of the case until he finally read something that we supplied that we've been supplying for for a year and a half on this case?
0: Hold on a second. Um, I did see that uh, Roger on Facebook is asking why why is there nothing? Hold on a second. Is it going to show? Why is there nothing about violating an oath? Why doesn't any document address this? Um. What on earth? What Did you
2: see that? Yeah. What happened there?
1: Yeah, it's really slow.
2: Yeah, but it was on there and then it was off. Um, oh, I probably hit the wrong. That was probably me. Trying, oh, I'm having a hard time on my phone. <laughs> so um,
0: anyway, so. Uh, if Roger, I guess if you can clarify for me, um, as far as violating an oath, that's one of the things that the document that I shared with you guys today, going over all the topics that all of my Elegant County documents that I have filed cover, it definitely goes over violating an oath. Um, and I've done full episodes, um, about, uh, oath of office and what it means when you violate your oath and all of that. And I plan to do additional ones in the future as well. So I'm not quite sure what document you're looking for. If you're talking about uh, some sort of document generated by the government or whatnot, Um, but that will be, um, you know, that is something I have gone over many times. Um, Okay. So let me see here.
2: I think what's important for people to hear in this is you went through all this. You've had all these people that were not doing good. Had you had an attorney and you not know what you know, you probably would have been encouraged by the attorney to plea. Oh, I and was so- encouraged.
0: I was encouraged by an attorney helping me to, to plead to something anything just to be done with this. And I was like, over my dead body, because I did not do anything wrong. And no one should ever have to take a plea because they are being pushed into it.
2: Well, and I want to use that, you know, by by bringing that up, encourage people. I know it's hard. It's It was hard for me in the background. It wasn't even anything. I wasn't directly involved. I was behind the scenes, you know, most of the time. And so anybody going through this, if you lay down before the fight is over, you're you're not only laying down yourself, you're laying down for the next person. And each right. time we allow these violations to continue, especially now that we're able to get the word out there to people that, you know, a lot of a lot of us, you know, before all the stuff happened and I got to know you. I took for granted things and didn't realize things we got to start waking you know everybody up and then standing up and correcting them whatever way we can and not allow them to run over us and just plea because man we're exhausted and and because the more we you know they're gonna push us they intentionally pushed you because they thought you would just give up. And then <laughs> if you just give up, you'd have to, you know, they didn't know who they were messing with. Barely, but, <laughs> but, you know, so to anybody out there that is even partway through their battle, you're not alone for one and feel free to reach out to us. You know, we can point you in directions, but just to have that community get involved with people in your community so that you can get the support, especially if your family is it supporting you which is who you relied on before and they're saying just just plea down just get it over with just get it over that's the attitude no just keep standing until they fall down because though they're the ones that are supposed to quote unquote bow to us because we are are their employer sorry and
0: uh i see chris gilbert on youtube commented do you really think The authorities want to know the Constitution and the limits to their job. Hate to be cynical, but the recent events aren't very encouraging. No, most government officials do not want to know the Constitution. They certainly don't want to know the limits to their powers or authorities. Um, They certainly don't want to be told by you as a member of We the People um, that they don't, you know, they can't do something, but I don't care if they want to or not. If they're not willing to learn about the constitution and about the limits on their, their, you know, um, authorities or their powers, then they need to be removed from office. So, um, it's as simple as that. And it's going to be, um, a, a, a massive movement. I mean, we need to focus on, not just the high up levels. We need to start focusing on those smaller positions: school board, and you know, local township um, offices, and township clerks, and you know, your sheriff, and your prosecutor, and uh, your county commission or county council. All of those things. We need to focus on every single one of those positions and start educating them and holding them accountable to the constitution. Um, and then I also see. Um, a comment here on Facebook, uh, that the judge, in my case, the judge admitted he didn't even look at the video. That is correct. The judge literally said during my hearing, um, the prosecutor actually brought it up because it was while they had this huge dialogue back and forth and I didn't get much opportunity to speak and I just kind of let it be. Um, the prosecutor said at one point that, um, yeah, I've seen, uh, Uh, I've seen the the video, I've seen it many times. And the judge spoke up and said, well, I just wanna be clear, I have never seen the video. And I thought, are you serious? If you had just watched the actual video, you don't even have to take my word for it. You could see what's going down and you can see that there's no law being violated by me. You should have dismissed this case right away just by looking at that, which was exhibit eight filed in January, 2021. So right, it's it goes it goes to them being um, uh, being lazy. That um, unfortunately, there's a lot of government officials, including judges, that just don't want to actually do their jobs. Um, uh, let's see, is there a public act? Okay, so Robert uh, clarified. Um, I asked him a question. Uh, Is there a public act that addresses repercussions for violating oaths? I will check your documents page. Yes. And I've actually, um, I have posted uh, that on there. I want to say somewhere. Oh my gosh. I don't know where that is right now. I've I've done a video about it. Um, We've talked about it a lot. I've, I've posted documents uh, in a variety of of ways, but yes, as far as oaths go, maybe, um, hopefully Lori can maybe take a note that we can revisit that specific topic and make sure that those documents make it onto the new website right away if they're not already there. Um, but yes, Roger, there, um, there are statutes that talk about that. Um, generally speaking, that's by state, you know, state by state situation. So we focused on the Michigan statutes, but there were a few federal statutes involved as well. Um, when, it, when someone violates their oath of office. Um, okay, let's see. Could a violation of oath be a civil rights violation? Um, I, I mean, it depends on what you mean by that, but generally, yeah, but there's nothing special about calling it a civil rights violation. Um, if somebody's violating your your oath, then, or if somebody's violating your your protections under the constitution, then um, that by itself is a criminal offense. Um, And somebody's saying uh, violating uh, an oath is, um, it's it's a violation of state law um, in Ohio, but it's just a misdemeanor. Um,
2: I think a lot of people are confused um, because I hear this a lot. They're, They're not a protected class. So to understand that the civil rights that are listed are just reinforcing the rights we already have that that it doesn't you know just if it's listed in there for a handicapped person or or whatever then it's a right we have it doesn't matter if you're blue brown purple um or whatever those are still our rights and it doesn't the protected class is a kind of a misnomer and it's whatever right
0: (laughs) right so um how can the state or judge solicit after a ruling? I guess I don't know what's meant by that. Um, at any rate, um, yeah, so there's a lot of good discussion, a lot of good comments. I think we've addressed all the topics at this point. Um, so anyway, keep... keep. Uh, keep listening and watching um we're we're, you know we've been traveling back and forth uh to michigan and and you know dealing with this case and doing everything else and so we haven't had the best of luck with technology and and the internet and everything else like that but um hopefully uh (laughs) it'll continue but the goal is every noon You know, noon on Tuesdays, we do the episode. Noon on Wednesdays, we post either a post or a video about the Wednesday Way to Get Involved Challenge. Noon on Thursdays, we have Constitution Segment Recap. Noon on Fridays, uh, we have your Freedom Fighting Tools. Noon on Saturdays uh, would be... um, uh, I can't even think the restore freedom goodie of the week, uh, noon on Sundays, the biblical insight on that week's topic. Um, and I still am going to get out the newsletter for the week. It'll actually be for the last two weeks. Um, that'll be coming out, uh, as well. So, um, at any rate, there's a lot of resources, a lot of information. Uh, today's episode, I want you to know what the outcome of the case was and, um, to know that you're not alone in your fight for freedom, even if you feel alone and that if something doesn't feel quite right, it probably isn't, but don't give up. And, um, at least, you know, look through that document I put out there that has the topics of, um, of interest that are covered by the Allegan County case documents. Um, and it, that's just in those documents alone. I've put out thousands of other things. Um, but again, you know as 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 you wait patiently for me to finish getting through that website, um, getting everything up there and then getting a system in place where you could do easy searching, um, then at least utilize some of these um, in between tools uh, to be able to find stuff that you're looking for. So, uh, with that, I want to thank you well, all gonna, very much.
2: Well, yep. I just want to let people know they're they're talking, so if they have any further questions or they're trying to hook us up with some people, uh, feel free to email us or uh, text us that uh, via the contact tab on our website, RestoreFreedomKH.com.
0: Um, and Robin was just, just asking something about comment being too long. I'm... I guess I'm seeing yeah, some
2: Yeah, it might have been too long. It didn't come across to us. So that, yeah, that's might, kind of part of the reason I wanted to throw out, you know, they're welcome to, if they had a question yeah. or something.
0: So Robin, um, as far as um, a comment being too long, it's not necessarily like too long for us to address, but I didn't see anything coming from you that we didn't address yet. So it, it could be something that just didn't physically come through. But um, yeah, please, please feel free to reach out to us if you wanna connect us with others, if you um, want to help us in our, our- freedom fight to educating people and empowering people to fight back. Um, Certainly, if you can help donate $5, $10, $1,000, whatever, um, we could use that because we've had thousands of dollars out of pocket just in dealing with this case. We'll have thousands of dollars just getting the, the other case up and running. But those two cases, I mentioned that I'm doing amicus briefs on, there's filing fees for that. So if you can help donate so we can get those filing fees going, we would really appreciate that aside from... Of course, there's, um, fees we have to pay for the, um, the website and, um, the app and all that, that are out of pocket, you know, I'm doing the work myself, so it's not paying for the work to be done, but it's paying for the domain. It's paying for that kind of thing. So, um, at any rate, um, I, um, Yes. Um, So I appreciate everything, you guys. Um, And please keep um, us and our, our, uh, you know, me and Lori, Mike and everybody else. Please keep us all in your prayers that we can continue to do this work to help you, you know, to help we the people uh, to truly educate the rest of society and uh, to hold our government officials accountable and to um, uh, give we the people the ability to get back the control uh, and the sovereign authority that um, is rightfully ours. So uh, with that being said, I look forward to our um, Wednesday's Way to Get Involved Challenge tomorrow and um, we will talk to you then. Uh, Thank you. Have a great day, everyone.